Hi everyone, I'm Angelo Luciani and welcome to the Nutanix Community Podcast. This is where the community converges to stay informed, learn about our latest developments, and get to know folks inside Nutanix. This week, my co-host Dwayne chats with Luke Cogden from our product management team to talk about the recent Nutanix and Red Hat news. Let's join the conversation. Today on the show, we have a special guest, more special than all of the other guests. Welcome, Luke Condon. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, Dwayne. It's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, you have been around the halls quite a long time now, but why don't you inform our listeners what you're up to at Nutanix? Yes, I've been here nearly four years now, coming up in November. I'm a senior director of product management, and I own our compute interfaces, uh, which means I own AHV, which is our native hypervisor solution, and Carbon, which is our inbuilt Kubernetes and containerization solution. Oh, I didn't realize you had Carbon, but I guess that makes sense for the topic at hand today. Uh, so the main the main reason for having Luke on was the big announcement with Red Hat and Nutanix. I think uh, it's been looming in the wings, or at least the the need or want from our field wanting the the official partnership. I think we've had people running bits and pieces anyway without it. Um, so it's pretty big news. But what's your take on the the initial announcement? I am really excited about this, and and I honestly mean that because in my almost four years here, one of the most common questions I got that was uh, creating friction for adoption age, adopting HV was, uh, can I use Red Hat? And our answer has always cleanly been, absolutely. We test each and every primary dot version of Red Hat uh, operating system, and therefore we know it works great. Um, we also test uh, variants of the Red Hat operating system, whether it's CentOS or uh, Oracle Enterprise Linux, and there are there are variations, but uh, we know it works great. But people always came back, and it's a very enterprise point of view to say, but do both vendors support it? And historically, from Red Hat, they did not support it. And what's very exciting about this new relationship is we are now strategic partners with a future in mind, with a clean and uh, very open discussion of what is supported. And I'm happy to go into that because now that opens the gates for us to bring in more customers onto HV, onto Nutanix uh, with a one plus one equals three kind of relationship. That's the mathematicals that I like. Me too. That's how we do math in Canada. <laughs> but uh, uh, so like the, the support is great. Was there anything driving it? That it made a change all of a sudden, new leadership in at the you know at Nutanix and at Red Hat slash IBM, or just enough groundswell with customers. Well, I'll say first and foremost, this is really about customers. Uh, customers have asked for it for a long time, and in fact, we knew many many customers who ran RHEL uh, and OpenShift as well on HV and had a very good experience with it. Um, but customers first first and foremost have contacted me for years, contacted alliances. And really said, we need this. We demand this. Um, you know, we want the best of both, and therefore we want this. Um, now, new leadership also helped to broker some introductions. Um, but I have to really give uh, persistent, ongoing credit to the alliances team, who just uh, faithfully, uh, professionally, just kept tapping, tapping at the door until we found the opportunity to work together and make this happen. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Uh, you know, obviously the customers, I think, win out of this uh, solution. Uh, now, you mentioned customers in the past already running OpenShift. Like, there was also another 
sub announcement with uh, with OpenShift. Maybe if you want to talk about that. Yeah, let, let me go into uh, a bit of the details. There's there's three or let's say four key components, uh, and this is in the press release, but uh, but I'll repeat it here. Uh, we now have uh, unqualified version for OpenShift on Nutanix. That's the first big announcement, and OpenShift is now a preferred uh, solution for Kubernetes and containers on Nutanix. Uh, following that is full support for RHEL operating system on HV and Nutanix. And subsequent to that is full support for Red Hat Satellite. Now, Satellite, not everybody knows, but if you are a large uh, RHEL shop, you probably do know this. It is the subscription compliance server that you also run and pay for, uh, which allows you to have both per VM licensing and far more advantageously, the VDC or virtual data center license. Uh, if you have you know, more than say 20, 30, 40 uh, rail VMs and you're in the hundreds per, per VM pricing is uh, too much. Uh, satellite server lets you register all those VMs and buy once an all you can eat license. Uh, so once you, once you acquire it once, that subscription says use as many as you want and you are still supported. Uh, so if you're a big uh, enterprise-style customer with hundreds uh, or even thousands of VMs, that's that's the best way to support it. Now, there is one other piece on the Red Hat side, which is still uh, pretty critical and also supported, is our CSI driver necessary for talking to storage in the OpenShift world is now also supported by Red Hat and published in the operator format in the uh, in the registry hub or in the uh, the the place where you go get those uh, CSI driver operator images. And that's really important because now it says OpenShift on Nutanix and HV plus a certified CSI operator from us. And then, of course, Nutanix as a platform and HV as not just a supported, but a certified hypervisor completes the package. I actually had to, while kind of prepping for this, look up what VDC actually was myself. So... Thanks for <laughs> telling everybody what it was. Yeah, ironically, too, I actually uh, even just yesterday I was looking up our CSI driver for some stuff I did in the past. I was hoping to to reuse it, but then saw a video marked 2018. So <laughs> quickly headed away. So it's been been in the works at least on the the Kubernetes side. So the brings up an interesting question because we've been developing our own containers project Carbon uh, and had that integrated for Carbon or into uh, Prism Central for a while. What are what are the plans there now that we have this OpenShift preferred vendor? Um, you know, what are we what are we doing with Carbon? Should customers look at it? What's the dividing line, or is there a dividing line? So there there's a difference, but first and foremost, uh, Carbon is here to stay. OpenShift is here to stay. They are both a wonderful solutions. And the way I'll differentiate them is to say, <clears throat> as a customer, what do you need? Uh, now, the way I think about Carbon is we're still investing in it. It is a way of, of extending compute for our platform. So if you're a Nutanix customer already, you've chosen AHV. You can also choose Carbon. Uh, it is integrated. It's immediate to use. It's in Prism. Uh, and it's fast. So you get a fully workflow uh automated build that says go into carbon in prism make a few clicks create a cluster have a complete up and running cluster that you can directly give to your developers in under 20 minutes or a single coffee break now it has fewer features than you'll get out of openshift 
Um, but you can think about it as a, as a, as a race car that is fit for purpose. Now, if I go to open shift, there's a couple, a couple really valuable scenarios here. If I'm out in the world and I was an open shift customer already, and perhaps I was using a different hypervisor and I want to come to HV, well, we now mutually support it. And there's no reason to consider moving to HV. If you're simply curious in using OpenShift, or that's your desired solution, even if you were not using it, well, it's still fully supported. So if what you want is a industry-leading solution, and you want more of the platform-as-a-service use cases that customers may demand, and more of the very developer-focused uh, use cases and features, OpenShift has a lot of features. So if you want the very enterprise-y, full-stack kind of, kind of product solution for Kubernetes and containers, where you want that race car that does fewer things, but is fully integrated and does them quickly. Both are great. And it's really a question of which one do you want? And we have them both. Yeah, that's really well put. I think I've definitely seen both sides where someone wants something very opinionated and, and done, save some time. But then there is also the, the breed of people that are, you know, they're already done it. They've kind of learned it. And then, you know, here's another option for you. So I think that's good too. Do you, do you see any inherent value of running OpenShift and clusters, you know, being someone who covers clusters, I have to ask the question, is there distinct value? Cause I look at, um, EKS, at least from the AWS side. Now I'm not hundred percent, but I've had other people tell me about networking costs and like, there seems that there must be some way to curb some of that, but well, this is early days. The, the way I think about clusters, it's a nice solution, but clusters is built upon a, uh, on, built upon HV. Uh, HV being a foundational strata and solution, both for an on-premise data center, uh, with Nutanix or in clusters. But since I have this common, super valuable hypervisor layer, I can run anything that, uh, Nutanix builds and delivers. So, if you want to use OpenShift on top of Nutanix and clusters, you certainly can. Uh, but you know, any any well-informed customer knows that there are different ways of consuming OpenShift, and the whole decision to go cloud or stay on-premises or somewhere in between uh, is a is is a broad decision with lots of inputs. So, can you run it? Of course, you can. Um, you know, what's going to be best for you? That's more of an involved uh, conversation. Yeah, there's no, I guess there's, there's never really any right or wrong answers of moving to the cloud, regardless of the application. Yeah. See it all the time. There's a million different reasons. Some good, some bad. You kind of, you hope you land somewhere in the middle, I guess. Now, I don't, are there, is there anything else that you want to hit on the Red Hat announcement? I think it's, you know, you covered some pretty major. Yeah. What, I, what I'll say is that, uh, step one, which is already announced as of a couple of weeks ago is we have full support. And the way to build those OpenShift clusters is with a method that is called the agnostic installation. You can also refer to it as the manual installation. Uh, fully validated, fully supported. Uh, it is a bit of the slower way to do it. And we do have joint plans to make installation more native to Red Hat and faster uh, in ways that people often look for if they're a new uh, OpenShift customer. So we do look forward to that. And then the other thing I'll mention is because of the, the complexity and the work to validate mutual solutions, what we've done is we've each focused primarily on our long-term support solutions. So if I look at OpenShift, we're supporting their version 4.6, which is their current long-term support version. We're also supporting 4.7. 
On the RHEL side, we're supporting the two most recent versions of the RHEL guest operating system, which are 7.9 and 8.2, and we're supporting Satellite 6.9. Now, those may be a little challenging to remember in a quick audio format, but from these starting points, the great part about this relationship is all future versions will continue to be supported. So it's not a single point in time, but you may need to come up to the most recent versions. Uh, similarly, on the Nutanix side, we're supporting our LTS versions, so 520.1 and 515.6, and then they will continue to move forward in the future as well. So we have a baseline and it's all, all yeah, roads quite, ahead. quite exciting. And I'll tell you, I've gotten a lot of inbound inquiry already from many, many fields and customers out there. So people have really perked up and heard this and um, we're excited about it. I guess if you're listening in the community, there's a chance for some brownie points if you want to automate something with Calm or maybe cross-play and get a deployment out in the community to make it easier until there's more of a enterprise-ready way of doing it. But, uh, you know, with, you know, be kind of reminiscent not to ask you some questions about AHV as well, since no, uh, we have you here. Uh yeah, 6.0, 6.0.1 is imminent around the corner. I think it's okay to talk about those things, uh, along with some Prism Central uh, updates as well that are kind of go hand in hand. Uh, is there anything off the top of your mind that you want that's kind of near and dear? Uh, and if not, I have a couple of things that I'll let's pick go with your, your questions. At. So I think one that came to mind just on the Prism Central side, just I've been playing a lot around with it, is crossplay or X-Play. However you want to go with it, there are some updates with Ansible, and I think there are some new actions as well. Uh, that, that might be the case. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm not terribly familiar with that product line, uh, but I'm sure Harry could uh, provide some answers there. Yeah, I yeah, it's fine. I, uh, the the crossplay stuff, I, I haven't touched any of the new ones. I've just been trying to automate some DR workflows with clusters and then auto kickoff failover plans. But seeing the Ansible pop up, I think it's always something that <laughs> comes up. And you know, what's your Ansible provider? And so, and then the on the DR side too is I think now Prism Central can act as a witness for. For AHV, yeah, for this, one, this one's very exciting for me because although the witness itself may seem like just a piece of a story, on the HV side, one of the questions we've also had ongoing for years is what's our story for a native Metro solution? And and Metro is a great feature; it's been around a long time, uh, and we've offered Metro on ESXi, but getting to it on HV has been a, a, a long story, and we've delivered very significant pieces of it. So we have a runbook that got delivered over a year ago. Um, sometime in the last year, we also delivered a synchronous replication, uh, which for many customers, having rights on both clusters, uh, both destination clusters before the rights uh, considered accepted means I can have RPO zero if for any reason one of those clusters went offline. What the witness helps build out in that story is to say, now I can automatically check to see has one of those clusters gone offline or lost connection somehow for me then to take an action with the runbook. Uh, because prior to that, I did have RPO zero. I did have the ability to initiate a failover proactively. So, you know, if for example, perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm in Florida and I have a data center within five milliseconds, but, uh, you know, several miles away and I see a, I see a typhoon coming. 
I could have proactively moved my workloads to a, a different data center, which was perhaps more geographically protected. Um, but now with the witness coming in, we can start to plan and take action on an unplanned failover. Uh, and that really helps round out and complete the Metro story. So it's not just synchronous application, but it's a full Metro story. It's it, nothing like testing your logic with automatic failover. Like you, you can definitely find some errors of thinking when you enact such a plan. Like what do you actually want to fail over? Cause you can understand why having it be manual is not a bad thing as well, but I know it's been a long ass, so I'm, I'm happy to see that that's here as well. I know from a bucket list thing too, which is kind of, it's almost around the corner. It's not here today is RF1 support um, for Nutanix. Having touched, you know, a couple Hadoop papers back in the day and then obviously OpenShift and Carbon, you know, RF1 will be, will have its value there too. So I, yeah, I know that's for the right pretty use exciting. Case. You know, whether it's going to be, uh, you know, log files or SAS grid or Hadoop for the right use case, uh, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to just playing around and seeing the speed difference. Obviously, when you, <laughs> you don't care about high availability, things can go pretty quick. <laughs> um, the other one that came actually, I'm pretty sure out of six auto was uh, some GPU updates. Uh, yes, I don't recall the specific feature, but over the past one year, we've had a lot of GPU updates and perhaps I'll cover them here. Um, first and foremost, I think it was 5.19.1 or 5.18.1. We finally came out with live migration for vGPU. Uh, this was really exciting because for a long time, we offered direct pass-through GPU and virtual GPU, uh, but we couldn't live migrate, um, which essentially made them all a form of a pass-through VM. Uh, so when I did have a maintenance mode activity, it meant I had to power off those VMs. With that migration, we can handle that uh, and we can really move these workloads to where they need to be. Now, if it's if it's GPU pass-through, that still has to get powered down. But if it's vGPU, we can now move them. Uh, that That's exciting. We also entered into a new partnership program with NVIDIA so that we have the ability to uh, publish updated uh, host drivers for AHV. Uh, which lets us mutually get new host drivers as fixes and bugs come out um, from a video or just new versions of drivers, uh, better versions, get them published much more quickly. So the turnaround time for customers is now uh, just, just a couple of weeks. Very excited about that. Yeah, GPUs have always kind of been a sexy topic. I think just if you've ever used a virtual desktop that like actually feels like you're sitting right beside the actual tower. Well, they're also forming impressive. the foundation for um, AI and ML. So while you can do that in um, in a VM today, we're actively exploring ways to use other other formats like containers and make that happen. Now, I don't, you know, I guess it this this next question, I guess I don't know how if it even merits conversation, because I think it's one of the things that just kind of gets forgotten about because it's there. You don't you don't need to configure it, but there has been improvements on on scheduling and heuristics within the HV as far as workload placement. I did see some some improvements on that. I don't know if anything is top of mind we're, for we're you. We're always but. tuning, you know, from a distri distributed system. You know, you have you have a wealth of resources uh, available to you, you know, memory, CPU, storage, 
so we're always trying to think, how can I make that just a little bit better? Uh, you know, because even a, even a 1% increase matters to large customers. Uh, so nothing, nothing in particular I can speak to, but we're always tuning. Yeah, I just, I feel sometimes for the engineers because they, these people work on these features, you know, day in and night and they don't really get too much of the, the limelight, but you know, when they don't work, <laughs> you sure call support. Um, so yeah, anyway, always improving. Uh, I'm sure a lot of, you know, the, the not so sexy things are, you know, stuck in the release notes. So I would encourage people to give them a read. Uh, you'll find some, some gold nuggets, but that's really all I had around, you know, the Red Hat conversation. Um, I guess I'll just leave with ask you if there's any anything that you want to touch on, maybe coming up or maybe for .next is rolling around the corner. Maybe we do uh, have a few sessions, sessions for for Cognitive. We have an AI ML session coming up. Uh, we do have a review of the Red Hat announcement session coming up uh, with some demos included. So I would encourage people to take a look at those. And we have a very healthy roadmap going forward. So as as of when those things uh, do start coming out, perhaps we can do another another recording and talk about how fun they are. Well, I'm sure your .next session around Red Hat will be one of the top ten sessions this year for sure. So look forward to to seeing that and maybe hopefully beating your good luck. With my good session. luck. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All thanks, right. Well, Wayne. thanks for my joining. Pleasure. It's been a blast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope to see you at our .next digital conference happening September 20 to 23rd. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week. Thank you.